You're listening to the Growth Experts Podcast. So if you're looking to 10X your business by learning proven growth strategies, you're in the right place. During my interviews with top CEOs, entrepreneurs, and marketers, I dig deep to uncover the real strategies, hacks, and tools to help you achieve your goals. And I'm your host, Dennis Brown. Hey, everybody. If you're interested in learning how to leverage LinkedIn for your business, this episode is sponsored by my book, The Seven Habits of Highly Successful LinkedIn Users. To get your free copy, just send a text to 44222 with the word seven habits. That's the number seven habits to 44222. Now let's get on with the show. Hey, welcome back, everybody. And today we have yet another amazing guest. As a matter of fact, he's already been on the show once. But there was such great feedback, and we had such a great conversation, I decided to have him on. Again, his name is Ray Leon. He was a top salesman for two international organizations using his sales funnel system that he developed and is now teaching all around the world. He teaches his system internationally to companies of all sizes. Today, he's an award-winning consultant, business owner, author, and sought-after speaker. So, welcome back, Ray. Thank you, my friend. Appreciate it. Yeah, thank you. Today, we're going to talk about something really cool. We've been talking about this for a while now. You've had this idea of a book in your head for many, many years, and you finally put it together, and it's called Ray's Rules, right? Right. And so, we're going to dive into a few of those rules today. Now, a lot of this is in and around sales, right? Because that's really where you specialize, and that's your expertise is in selling. So, Ray's Rules are the rules that you've learned over the decades of experience you have, and probably cost you millions of dollars to learn those rules. And now you're going to share all those rules with everybody. That book's going to be releasing down the road, but we're going to have a special offer for everybody at the end of this episode if you guys are interested in checking it out once it does come out. So it'll be the deal of a lifetime. There you go. See, he's already selling. He's already (laughs) selling. See how he is? So listen, thank you for coming on again. I'm excited about the book. You just sent me like an advanced copy don't nobody reach out to me because I'm not going to give it to you, but I'm going to review it. And we were talking about some of the rules, which was really, really interesting. There's like, what is it like 75 rules or something like that? 75. And I'm already working on the next book because there's so many more rules. Yeah. 75 rules that you can apply to your business, to sales, to, you know, just to business in general, right? Things that he's learned throughout his journey. And so we're going to try to get three of these rules in today. Talk about, summarize the rules that we're going to go over today. What was rule 29? What was that? That was the turtle. You can't cut off a turtle's head unless its neck is sticking out. All right. So that's rule number 29. Number 35, the witty. What was that? Well, that, that, the witty is what made me a millionaire. Oh, love it. That's all you got to say there. So now you you hooked everybody. A multi-millionaire. And in fact, I just did a course in Canada this past week. And the one young lady already said, the witty is fantastic because she used it for the first time already this week. Love it. And then rule 24, which was, what was it? Landmines. Landmines, man, I'm telling you, most people do not. Un- I used to do a speech called selling is war. Are you ready for the battle? I mean, you, you either win or you lose. There is no you know, trophy for second place. So you better be thinking of this as a war when you're going in to sell something. And landmines are a tremendous weapon that I would say at least 90% of salespeople don't know when they step on one 
don't, and, and keep stepping on the same one over and over again because they don't understand how to recognize them when they've been set against you and they don't know how to set them against their competition. And we're, we're going to go over that. Love it. Okay, cool. So just so everybody knows, you know, Ray's first time he was on the show was episode 39. So if you want to check that out, and in that episode, he talks about the easiest way to convert your audience into paying clients. And it's all about how to leverage speaking to grow your business. And he even talks about an example in that, which really blew my mind, where he did one speaking event in Charlotte that ultimately generated him over $10 million in business for his company over the years because of the relationships and that evolved from that one speaking event. So I would highly recommend you guys check out episode 39, but let's dive into today's episode. Well, so why don't, why don't we talk about rule 29, the turtle? Dive into that for us. Unpack that for us because I'm curious. Well, the, where I used it to the greatest effect, and I've used it many times since, but we're going to talk about Oracle in Puerto Rico. I was down there working with their Latin American division. And at that time, they had just been cited as the only company that had 17 levels of security. I mean, that is, that's a phenomenal amount of security. We're talking a few years back. I said, and they would say to the customer, we have 17 levels of security. I said, that's too powerful of something just to throw it offhand like that. You have to say something like this. Is security important to you? Yes. And then the clients need a little forward. How many levels of security would you need to really feel confident that you're protected? Four? Really? Is levels of security going to be one of the criteria that you use to choose the person that supplies your software? Yes. Boom. Now you say, we have 17 levels of security. Same, oh, yeah. Same point, but the imp- impact is so phenomenal. Yeah, because what it, but because a lot of times what'll happen is salespeople will brush over those, right? They'll just they'll gloss right over it. It's like it's like just another word coming out of their mouth. They don't stress the importance of it and they don't leverage it. Here I got one more for you that'll really make the point. Compass, one of my largest clients, the largest food service company in the world, they have almost seven hundred thousand employees worldwide. A huge corporation. Well, they bought Wolfgang Puck catering when Wolfgang divested himself of his catering business to focus on his restaurants. And they would say, the sales guys would say, and by the way, ladies, I'm from New Jersey originally. Guys is a gender neutral term, please. (laughs) (laughs) All right, perfect. (laughs) So they would say, we have Wolfgang Puck. Wait a minute. And they would just add that to, you know, to their litany of great things that they do, but it didn't didn't stand out. You got to get the turtle's neck to stick out. So here we go. Do you think Wolfgang Puck has a big ego? Yeah. You answer, Dennis. Do you yes. think so? Sure. Of course. So now you, I want you to say now, do you think it was important to him that the company that he sold his catering business to would preserve the integrity of his name? Yes. So that would, other than just money, the criteria that he was going to choose the company had to be really a stellar reputation of the company to protect the brand. Otherwise, you know, when you sell your name, that's very dangerous unless you're selling it to somebody that you're 100% confident. Yeah, you got to really trust. There's got to be a lot of trust there. So that's why he chose Compass. Got it. Yeah, and it's easy to gloss over those things where you don't emphasize the value. And, it, and, and again, it's a, it's a differentiator, right? It's, it's a yeah, point of differentiation from anybody else that does that. Absolutely. Everybody listening to this thing should think about their own organization and what's the most powerful thing that they've got. And did they just mention it? 
Like if you're ISO certified and you're in your area and you're the only ISO certified competitor, do you make a big deal about it? So a lot of the companies I work with, they'll win an award for being the best employer in X or the best this or whatever it is. Well, whenever I see one of my clients do that, I go look at the criteria that were used for the selection. And then, so, and when you look at the criteria, there's some pretty powerful things in those criteria that if you're selected the best employer in this industry, for instance, I had a lot of my clients that were selected that way. Well, what were the criteria for that? And then when you, so then it's just saying, oh, we were the best X or the best this. No, no, you say, you know, criteria for this award was boom, 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 boom. And that's why they should, our company won that award. So you, you get the turtle's neck sticking out to make more powerful. Because the reality today, the latest studies hot off the press, people are not willing to pay a premium for your service and your company in a B2B world unless there's a personal win in it for them and something dramatic. And if it's really a tight personal win, they're eight times more likely to buy from you. But normally, if there's three major competitors, and most of us have three major competitors, the average buyer sees this discerns no measurable difference. So if you've got one or two points that are really strong, you got to drive those babies home. Otherwise, it's always going to come down to price. It's funny when you mention that because when I had my B2B service company in and around logistics, you know, we were fortunate enough to be a part of the Inc. 500, right? Which some people know about. It's where Inc. Magazine ranks the fastest privately held companies in America. And we really use that as a huge differentiator. We would say something like, hey, have you ever heard of the Inc. 500? Well, here's what it is. And then they would say, oh, wow, that's amazing. And say, well, listen, what you have to understand is that out of millions of businesses, there was 500 companies that they ranked and they ranked them based on growth. Now, in order to grow a successful business, what does that require? repeat customers, right? So the fact is, is the only reason why we've been able to grow is because our customers continue to do business with us. Now, if they weren't happy, would they continue to do business with us? Well, of course not. So, I mean, so that's an example of how we would use that in the sales process. That's exactly the right way. That's exactly the, that's exactly the turtle's head technique. Love it. it. I should, I should have wrote Dennis's rules. Shit. You beat me, you, you beat me to the punch. (laughs) All right, cool. Let's dive into number. Listen, for everybody listening to this thing, I beat everybody to the punch on sales funnel. I trademarked that thing. I designed it almost 50 years ago. Now everybody on the planet has copied it and they think that I stole it from somebody else because there's so many sales funnels out there. I've given up trying to fight them. I just call it now the most copied system in the world. Yeah, most people don't. A lot of people may not even understand that. The term sales funnel, Ray copyright. He has the copyright for that. Since when? When did you do that? What year? Trademark. A trademark, not copyright. And you trademarked it when? How long ago? In 1988. But I copyrighted it in the 70s. So he trademarked it 30 years ago. Yes. Okay. So just think about that, guys. The, The internet didn't even really exist back then for us as the way it is today. And he trademarked that. So that's a whole nother, I'm sure there's a whole nother story there. But let's dive into rule 35, the witty, because I'm really curious about that one. I almost, I can't remember how I came up with this, but I found my original witty on a, on a piece of eight and a half by 11 sheet of paper. And the witty stands for what's important to you. And it lists all the criteria that a client would use. It, what a witty needs on it is the criteria the customer is going to use to choose who they buy from. It's also going to have on there, what do they want from the purchase? 
And it should have something on there that only you can do that singularly identifies you. So you have 20 things on this document and you hand it to the client and to a high dominant person. I'll say, listen, so I don't waste your time talking to you about things that you don't care about. But more importantly, to make sure I I address those things that are most important to you, just take a look at this list and rank the top five in order of importance to you. Because these become my marching orders to my team when we're developing your solution. And they rank the top five. And then I do what's called the 3D technique on it. I say, people always check quality, for instance. So what's your definition of quality? Dennis, what's your definition of quality? Quality, wow. Definition of quality is the ability to deliver what you say you're going to deliver, right? I mean, it's, it, it's something that get, it's a, wow, you caught me off the spot here. No, so no, how about a car? What's a quality car to you? Quality is something that lasts over time, something that lasts and endures, right? That, that's what I think of when I think of quality. Okay. But somebody else has a totally different definition for right. quality. Sure. And so, well, for instance, to a BMW purchaser, it's, it's, it's fit and finish. It's engineering. To a Mercedes buyer, it's more luxury. So, it, so each, to a Volvo buyer, it's safety. Safety, right. So each one is going to define it differently. And we to assume, you know that word, that we know what they mean when they say they want quality. For instance, everybody wants good service. Well, what's the definition of good service? If right. you're selling vending machines, is 24-hour service good? Is eight-hour service good? Is never running out of this, any product in the machine? What's their definition? Right. So you, you better get the definition before you jump in. It's subjective, and the right. Third D, the, that, the first D is determining the witty and filling it out. The second D is getting their definition. The third D is diagnosing the motivation for why they selected whatever it was that was number one. And in the original book, the sales funnel book, the one I wrote years ago when I was working with BMW, it was a good example. A woman comes in and says she wanted to buy BMW. We said, okay, well, what's your, you know, we we did the witty and she said, quality was number one. What's your definition of quality? And she said something really surprising for a BMW buyer. She said, because I want a car that handles well and is reliable. Well, that's a Volvo buyer, not a BMW buyer. And by the way, what the salespeople were proud of back then was that that car could go 160 miles an hour. Performance, right. So remember now, the first D was quality. We got her definition. Then we said, well, why is that so important to everybody? But why did you rank that number one? And she said, because a few months ago, my teenage son got into an accident. And I think that if he had a car that handled well, he might have been able to avoid the accident. Bingo. The dominant buying mode of his love of son or fear of loss. Now you've hit an emotion that connects. Don't ask people to buy your product. You ask them to fulfill their dominant buying mode. So in the closing sequence, we didn't say the car goes 160 miles an hour. Right. That was not what you wanted to say at that point. So what you say, and you don't say, here, buy the car. No, that's where so many salespeople get it wrong. You're selling what they, what they're, why are they buying this, whatever it is for her. So that the next time the phone rings on a Saturday night that every parent fears and you pick it up and the son just says, hi, mom, I'll be home in about 30 minutes. Just letting you know, I'll be coming a little late because you know, they was in a car that was reliable and handled well. People will move heaven and earth to get to their dominant buying motive. Love it. So you connected that you just, you asked the right questions and you connected the dots. And how many people that buy from, let me, this is, this is probably a different rule, but when people are buying B2B, 
and we get a price objection. It's not about the price because it's not their money. Nobody that works for a company, if you're listening to this and you work for an organization, you don't give a damn about how much that building costs, what the rent is on that building or training, you don't, because it's not your money. But if you're making the decision, you care about how that decision will look to your boss. That's right. So when you understand that, then when you're asking them to buy whatever it is that you're selling, you want to link it to that person's career if you can. By making this correct decision, it will improve your corporation by this, and your name is going to be attached to that success. So Love that's it. Great. So, Love it. All right. So that was number 35. The no, wait, we're, not even, we're not even done yet. On the oh, okay, good. The good. witty is so freaking powerful. So when I was in the swimming pool business, I won 27 international swimming pool design awards. I remember so talking I, about that. So, well, but on my witty, I put guidance from an award-winning designer. Guess what? I was the only one. <laughs> so if they check that, guess what? Because here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to, after I look at these five, I'm going to say, if I can provide a solution that meets all these criteria to your satisfaction, not mine, will I be your supplier or your pool builder or whatever it is? And there's only three answers, yes, no, or maybe. One third of the time, by the way, the answer is yes. I want you to understand where, where this witty comes out. It comes out in the beginning. After the, in the first 10 minutes, you haven't opened your briefcase. You haven't shown them anything you're selling. You haven't shown them the price of it. You just ask, what do they want? If you can deliver what they want, will they buy it from you? I mean, it, doesn't that make sense? Makes so total sense. Ask for the order before you present. Every salesperson, not every salesperson, 95% of salespeople don't ask for the order till after they present their solution. Well, the perfect sales presentation is the one that eliminates the objection during the presentation. Well, if you don't know what it is until after you present it, you're doing this backwards. You have to ask for the order up front to find out what the objection is going to be. So one third of the time, the people say, yes, they're, they're your first call closes. Bang, yeah, you bring me the, you give me these five things that I want, you got it. But two thirds of the time, it's yes, if. Yes, if the price is it. Yes, but I need to talk to somebody else. Yes, but I need to talk to my boss. Oh, I thought you were the economic buyer. So now I get the objection that I thought I was going to get later. Then I said, so what on this entire list will you let us not do and still be your supplier? And people will always say, well, I want them all. So if somebody can't do all of them, then you won't buy. You got it? So I'm the only one. Yeah, you're eliminating the competition. Yeah, but I had like five things on there. For instance, back in the day, Anthony Pools was on the New York Stock Exchange. They owned Shakespeare Fishing Tackle. They were huge. And they manufactured all of their own equipment. I also had on there one manufacturer of all the equipment. So I had like five things like that. New York Stock Exchange Company. I, had, I mean, I had all these things on that list. Right. So, so it eliminated everybody else. So now the power of that document is unfreaking believable. Imagine. Now, now, when I introduce the witty in my sales training, I say to the group, who would play poker with me tonight for $100? Everybody puts in $100 and winner takes all. And, you know, half the hands go up. I say, well, wait a minute now. Who will play poker with me tonight if we don't know whether we're playing high hand or low hand until I look at my cards? Who will play with me tonight? Zero. <laughs> no, nobody. Why not? <laughs> because you, don't know the, you won't know the rules of the game. Well, we play the bigger games every day in sales without knowing the rules. The witty is the rules. The witty tells me the, what I have to do to win. And if you don't have one of these documents, how do you know what it's going to take to win? And we guess. Uh -huh. 
And you know what that does. Yeah. The witty is so, so unbelievably powerful. I just can't explain it to you. No, I love it. I love that. I'm really excited to just dive in and read the book, especially after hearing it here. I definitely want to, I definitely am going to open this up and uh, print yeah, so out some of these pages. Let's share this. The reason I wanted to do this book, I'm getting old and I, I keep thinking when I die, it would be, this is sound so egotistical. I'd hate to have all this knowledge that I've accumulated over a lifetime to go down and not have as many people benefit from it as possible. I agree a hundred percent. I agree a hundred percent. I mean, I, I don't think it's egotistical at all. I think it would be an absolute shame. I mean, Ray, there's a reason why after our first you know, conversation when we met, you know, we've, I've texted you and you've been nice enough to answer questions. You were set, you sent me some documents to help me, you know, help me grow my business. I mean, you know, I, I think you have an enormous wealth of knowledge and I think it would be an absolute shame. So I think the book idea is brilliant. I think it's a great idea and I love the format. And uh, I mean, I'm excited to dive in and I think everybody else will, will be too, especially, so, especially after hearing this. Well, so the millennials are out there, you know, everybody likes this quick satisfaction. And I designed this book for you guys, because you don't need to know the rule before or after it to get value out of the rule. Each rule is standalone. Mm-hmm. And let me share with you how I developed every one of these rules. I'd go in on a sales call, and immediately when I got back in a car, I would say, could I have done something better? Win or lose? If I won, could I won it sooner for more money? If I lost, could I have done something to, to change it to a win? And that's how every one of these rules was developed. So every one of these rules cost me money, a lot of money. So I want everybody reading the book and listening to your show today that don't have to, to lose a $50,000 sale to get it. You can get it for, for 99 cents, <laughs> whatever it's going to work on itself. Yeah. What you just described should have been another rule, the rule of intention, being intentional, meaning after every call, evaluate what you do. I mean, because people don't do that enough. I mean, some people do. Some salespeople do, but it's pretty rare. I mean, I've hired hundreds of salespeople in my career, and I could say that there's probably less than a handful that actually ever really did that. There's an old joke in speaking. There's a speech you prepared, there's a speech you gave, and then there's a speech you wish you gave. <laughs> <laughs> right. That's so funny. Just change speech to presentation. Yeah. Every, think about that, all my sellers out there. How many times did you in the car say, boy, I wish I didn't say that? I wish I did say this. And right. So yep. that's what it's all about. 100%. Rule 24, landmines. Tell us about that. And then uh, we'll wrap up for today. Well, I learned this from a man named Vince Gata, who died way too young, like at 40 years old, had a heart transplant, and then it was rejected. But I got to give kudos to Vince. I was lucky enough. You have to be lucky in life. You know, if you have no health, I mean, you have to have some luck. But you have to be ready for the luck when it appears. So I'm sitting next to Vince, luckily the best salesperson I ever met on the planet. And he, go back to 1976, he wore a $15,000 Rolex watch. He had a Lincoln Continental with a phone in it. Now, who had a phone in our car in 1976? Yeah, the president. That was probably about it. (laughs) Well, but he was selling to congressmen and senators. So he called it the EBP. You have to be an equal business partner. You have to go in as their equal. Otherwise, they're going to treat you like crap and, and you're not, you know, they're not going to respect you. And respect is what you must get for these people. So he would, the first time I went out with him, we pulled into a driveway 
And he calls his wife. He says, call me in 15 minutes. I says, why? He says, well, I got it set up so the, the horn will blow when the phone rings and we'll be in the backyard with the client. So we'd be in the backyard with the client and the horn would say, oh, I have to go answer my phone. It might be an emergency. Well, the guy we're talking to didn't have a phone in his car. He had this whole aura about himself. But the landmine was unbelievable. Anthony Pools, back in the day, shot true gunite. And gunite only, again, again, trademarks, was the trademark of the Allentown Pneumatic Gun Company. And that machine, 40 years ago, cost a quarter of a million dollars. So you're talking about a multi-million dollar machine today. So nobody had them except Anthony. So everybody said they did gunite. But what they really were doing was shotcrete. You bring concrete from a concrete plant pre-mixed, put it into a compressor, and shoot it out of a gun. Well, what makes gunite gunite, it comes dry. You drop sand in the person's driveway. You bring the cement in pre-measured bins. The sand in the cement is mixed at the house, and it's not hit with water till at the nozzle. So the low water-cement ratio was one of the key things to gunite. So he would say, and I've got I to try and do it like he did it. You're going to be the, the homeowner, Dennis. All right. I'm going to say, Dennis, you know, a lot of people out there are using counterfeit gunite. And he would explain the sand, cement, and just what I just told you. Don't ask them if they do counterfeit gunite because they'll say no. Just ask them this question. Are you going to make a mess in my backyard the way Anthony did my neighbor's house with all that sand? You got it? Mm-hmm. And they would say no. And he would say, well, why not? Well, we bring it in a premixed truck. So bingo. And he bankrupted two companies that never figured it out. I mean, that's the most powerful technique I had ever seen. I go to Canada 20 years ago, and I'm working with, the, with a client in the service industry, and they were so proud that they had grown 78% the year before. That's a huge growth rate. So, you know, the, the VP of sales, the woman, and I was Sandy, her name was Sandy, was so proud of that. And you can imagine, you, who wouldn't be proud of that? So she, you knew she was going to tell every customer, we grew 78% last year. Well, here's how we set the lamp. Let me share with you exactly how we did. We must have had 50 people in the room, including the president of the company. We took Sandy's team and sent them outside and told her to come in and present to us. Like, because they were going to work on a real deal and they were going to present to us with, with, and we were going to be like the, the buying committee. And I assigned somebody, not the president, not me, but just somebody in the middle of the class, this sneaky question. And again, you have to set it up just like Vince did with the counterfeit gunite. You know, slow growth is not what gets companies into trouble. It's growth that exceeds their capability of, you know, sustaining that and supporting it. So if a company's growing, 10, 15%, that's okay. But if they're growing 20 or 30%, what confidence that you have that they have an infrastructure good enough to handle that 30% growth? So you got it? Remember, we didn't say 70, we said 30. So if you're nervous that 30 is too much, when she says 78, you're going to be scared to death that they don't have an infrastructure to handle. So she comes back in with the class and she's doing her presentation and somebody says, Sandy, what was your growth rate? And she said, I'm glad you asked. We grew 78% last year. We're growing three times faster than any of our competitors. And everybody's just smiling and shaking their head. Yeah. So she thought she hit a home run. 
but she didn't look down because her legs were gone because the landmine just blew up. See, when you set the perfect landmine, the salesperson doesn't even know that they did it to themselves. Yeah, that's, that's interesting. I love the way you did that because it really, that was uh, the exact counter strategy to the strategy that I told you we use for the Inc. 500. So a competitor could have very easily done that, right? If they knew we were competing against each other in a, for a bid or for whatever it was. And so there's a yin and yang to both sides of those. You can use it as a positive or you can set a mind. Yes. Being on the New York Stock Exchange can be a positive or a negative, depending That's on right. how you set it up. That's right. You want to, you know, do you want to be uh, worried about your shareholders or the customer? And that's where understanding your competition and doing your market intelligence up front and understanding how they're positioning their product and why they're positioning it that way. And then you create those landmines in and around every one of those positives that they're trying to promote. You set a landmine. My very first pool that I sold, it was on Fairfax Circle, Fairfax County, Fairfax, Virginia. The four major pool companies were all on this traffic circle. So you knew that somebody would go to all four of them. Well, before I got, before I, anybody knew who I was, I went and gathered all the information of the competitors. I asked the guy, and by the way, I recommend to every listener, when you sell or don't sell, always ask the client why. Why did you buy or why didn't you buy? And I asked the guy, why did you buy for me? He said, you were the most knowledgeable salesperson I talked to. I'd never even seen a swimming pool yet, let alone know how to build one. He said, I was the most knowledgeable. That tells you the competition is so freaking bad out there. I mean, just do things that other people are willing to do. Yeah, love it. No, I love all three of those strategies. And listen, the cool part about the book, everybody, is there's over 75 strategies like that, right? You know, lessons, raise rules, his lessons and rules. And so I'm definitely going to dive in after this. We got to wrap it up for today. But if you guys want more of Ray's rules. He's going to be releasing the book soon. We don't have an exact date yet because, you know, it's just kind of finished editing and they're going through a whole process, but I'm excited for the release. Ray, let everybody know how they can get a copy of this book when it does release. And then we're going to wrap it up for today. Okay. The stupid reason I haven't done, I'm designing the cover. That's what we're waiting on. But anyway, just go to Ray at RayLeon.com, Ray at RayLeon.com and just put Ray's rules in the subject line. And what we'll do is as a pre-release, we're going to offer this out at like a dollar. To, I mean, something ridiculous to the initial thousand, first thousand people that buy it. Yeah. So just send an email to Ray at Ray at RayLeon.com, right? That's what you're doing. So, so you're going to just fire off a quick email on the subject. You're going to do Ray's rules. He's going to put you in a, in a bucket that you're going to qualify for this special deal. As soon as it does release, I highly recommend you guys check it out. Ray, thank you so much for being here. Really, really appreciate it. And uh, appreciate all the personal help and guidance you've given me. Look forward to diving into the book and uh, have an awesome day. Thank you, my friend. Listeners, I want to thank you for tuning in. I truly appreciate your time. If you're enjoying the podcast, then do me a huge favor. Click the subscribe button now and please leave me a review. It would mean a lot to me.